Good morning. It's always an honor and a privilege to be able to present the Word of God to you. I hope you're excited to be here today. I know that I am. I'm excited to be here. This morning we're going to be in the book of Psalms, chapter 17. A prayer of David. A prayer of David. Uh, And this is David prior to his personal failures, prior to adultery and murder and a lot of the other sins that he did. In fact, we will soon see that David uh, basically self-proclaims or appears to be perfect. And he says, test me, Lord, probe my heart, examine me, and you'll find nothing. And may I add, what he's really saying here is, you'll find no sin in my mouth. I am sinless and I am righteous. And while this is a great prayer... Uh, this is a great prayer. The truth is, David is a sinner. He's a sinner. Nobody's perfect except the Lord uh, Jesus Christ. So ultimately, only Jesus Christ can pray this Psalms perfectly because he's the only perfect one. And our key text this morning that we'll be looking at is Psalms 17, verses 6. I call upon you, O God. For you will answer me, give ear to me, and hear my prayer. And once again, we'll focus on prayer. Prayer is active. Prayer is important. Prayer is a two-way street, two-way communication. You speak to God, and God listens, and God speaks to you, and you listen. That's the way it's supposed to work. Uh, Too often, we do all the speaking. We do all the wishing. We do all the hoping and wanting, uh, prayer is key in our life. Prayer is vital to the success, I believe, in life. Uh, prayer is matter, is a matter of life and death. Amen. And as uh, this is where we find David in this Psalms, in a place where his life is being threatened, uh, the situation is more than he can handle alone, and he calls upon the name of the Lord, uh, he calls upon God to, to help him, uh, to hear him, to rescue him. Would you please stand for the reading of God's word? I'm going to read this entire Psalms 17 and break it down a little bit further. But I'd like to read this this morning. Psalms chapter 17. Hopefully you have your handout this morning, the PowerPoint. Prayer of David. Hear, O Lord, my righteous plea. Listen to my cry. Give ear to my prayer. It does not rise from deceitful lips. May my vindication come from you. May your eyes see what is right. Though you probe my heart and examine me at night, though you test me, you will find nothing. I have resolved that my mouth will not sin. As for the deeds of men, by the words of your lip, I have kept myself from the ways of violence. My steps have held to your paths. My feet have not slipped. I call on you, O God, for you will answer me. Give ear to me and hear my prayer. Show the wonders of your great love. You who saved by your right hand those who take refuge in you from their foes. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadows of your wings from the wicked who assail me, from my mortal enemies who surround me. 
They close up their callous hearts. Their mouth speaks with arrogance. They have tracked me down. They now surround me with eyes alert to throw me to the ground. They are like a lion hungry for prey, like a great lion crouching in cover. Rise up, O Lord. Confront them. Bring them down. Rescue me from the wicked by your sword. O Lord, by your hand save me from such men, from the men of this world whose reward is this life. You still the hunger of those you cherish. Their sons have plenty and they store up wealth for their children. And I, in righteousness, I will see your face when I awake. I will be satisfied with seeing your likeness. Oh God, help us to call upon you when we are in trouble. But not only when we are in trouble. Help us to call on you frequently and often. Help us not forsake calling upon you, God, because you can do a great, mighty work through us, and we are needy people, and we need you every day, Lord God. And may we call upon you often. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As you're seated, give a couple of high fives and smile when you sit down. Be glad that you're here. Yeah, give a couple of high fives or not, but you know what? Praise God. Um, He wants to do a work through us. I've entitled this message, In Times of Trouble, Call Upon God. In Times of Trouble, Call Upon God. And recently I read a story where there was a father who was reading a newspaper. He was very relaxed. And his youngest daughter comes around and is wanting to play with daddy. For those who are dads and have little children, You've probably been in that situation, and, and, and the, the daughter was pushing and pushing, and she was pressing the issue with dad, and dad didn't want to say no to her, and yet he wanted to relax, and he had a few minutes, and he wanted to relax and, and read this, so he gave her something to do to keep her busy. It was busy work, but yet it was a lot of fun that he believed for her, and he thought, well, now I'll have time to finish reading. So he rips up this advertisement that he had of a picture of the earth. And it was a big picture of the earth, and he tore it into many small pieces. And then he basically told his daughter to put this picture of the earth back together. And again, small little pieces. So the father was happy, and he was thinking, wow, that's going to take her a long time to put the earth back together from all these little pieces. And then he can finish reading his paper and he can relax and he can have a good time while his daughter is having a good time. But before he knew it, she finished this task. It was over really quickly. And so he said, how did you do it? How did you do this so fast? And she said that on the other side, there was a picture of a man. And he put the, put the man together and the whole world came together. And I thought that was a really kind of cute little story. Put the man together and the whole world comes together and falls into place. But actually, what hit me was when the man fell in the garden, the whole world fell apart. It wasn't really come back together. It was fall apart. And so the only way that we could be really healed and broken 
And man is broken and fallen. The only way we can be restored and renewed and come back together is through God. Man is constantly trying to fix it on his own. Man is constantly, with his own efforts, trying to fix them, fix us, fix the world. Uh, But we're not good enough to do it. We're unable to fix and restore this world. We're unable to do this. But when life is hard and and problems come our way, and they're going to come our way. Do You have to understand that. Problems will come your way. Who do we turn to? When people hurt you, when they devour you, when they bully you, who do you turn to? Who do you call? Um, do you call your friends? Do you call your family? Do you call your priest or your, your pastor? Who do you call? And church, I, I want to tell you today, don't quit. So many people are quitting in life, and they're quitting on God. When you have a situation that doesn't change immediately, don't quit. Uh, when we ask and we pray and, and we, we speak to God and we don't receive immediately what we want, uh, we give in, we give up, we quit. We quit on our marriages, we quit on our friends, we quit on our children, we quit on our family, we quit at work and at school and at church, and that list goes on and on for yourself. Don't give in to the enemy. Now, I understand the why behind a lot of this, but I want to tell you something this morning about authority. I want to just touch on this for a second about authority. We run and we quit, and when we do that, we give in to the enemy. You give up your authority. Uh, You lose spiritual ground when you do this. Now, when you know, especially when you know that staying and fighting and, and, and staying in that spot and holding on to God's promises is what God wants you to do. When you run and hide and you quit, you give up on authority. And we see this happening with Elijah when he runs and he hides from Jezebel. And though I'm not going to teach on that, that's 1 Kings 18, uh, chapter 18 and 19, We see that he had success in his ministry and and he's doing mighty works for God in 1 Kings 18 and 19. And he prayed that it would not rain and the rain stopped. And he prayed for the fire to come down from heaven and fire came down. And he, he, he did great and mighty works. And yet, after a successful day, a very successful day, fire comes down from heaven and the killing of the prophets of Baal. Hundreds of prophets of Baal were killed and he actually supernaturally, he runs supernaturally ahead of King Ahab's chariot. We see that playing out in the scripture. And yet when he's confronted by Jezebel, he he has fear. He hides in fear. She's She's going to kill him and he runs and he hides. And so what happens next when he does that? He gives up authority. He gives up authority to her. This is God's man, and he gives up authority. God was going before him, and now fear is going before him. And what happens next? God brings in other leaders to finish what he could not finish. He tells Elijah to go anoint uh, Jehu and anoint him to be king of Israel, and then anoint Elisha, who's going to be Elijah's replacement. 
And eventually, when you read that scripture and that portion of scripture, we see that King Jehu kills Jezebel. Elijah becomes the anointed prophet. It took two people now. It took two people now instead of one. It took two people now to take a stand for righteousness instead of one person doing what is right. And so what happens next? The enemy took over. The enemy took over, and ground was lost. Spiritual authority was giving up, and then the enemy expanded its rule and its territory and its power instead of the man of God expanding its territory and in its power. The enemy and the kingdom of darkness was advanced instead of the kingdom of God being advanced. And we do this in our homes. We do this in our marriages. We do this in our relationships when you give up spiritual leadership and spiritual authority. There's an authority in the home. There's authority in the church. There's an authority that you have as men and women of Christ. And God wants us to take a stand in our faith and, and, and not give in to the fear of the enemy. God's words are true. His promises are true. And too often we let, we let fear rise and stuff in, inside of us instead of faith. Faith should rule our hearts and our homes. And yet we give in to the enemy and we give, in, we give up our authority. We give up spiritual authority. And we give the enemy a foothold into our life and into our marriages and into our relationships and into our church and into our job. And it turns to a stronghold. And then that takes over our homes. And that's why so many homes are a mess. And our lives are a mess. Because we're giving up spiritual authority. We're not taking authority in Jesus' name. Now this is a message for another day. It's not the message that I want to preach on today from 1 Kings, but I just felt in my heart for a lot of reasons that this is important for us to get today. Some of our problems are so great, as we're going to read today, they're so great that only a great God can take over. Only a great God is going to be able to heal and correct and restore and renew and save too big for us to handle. Oh, God won't give you anything too big for you to handle. I understand when people say that. All the time we have too many things too big for us to handle. And we need a great God to come in and rescue us. I call on you, oh God, for you will answer me. Give ear to me and hear my prayer. This psalm will teach us how to pray when we are facing difficult times, when people want to bully us and harm us and hurt us. Now, There's no one perfect except Christ. In spite of our circumstances, God loves us. And He's capable of hearing us and helping us and rescuing us. Praise God. Now let's dig deeper into the Psalms. And I'm going to give you four keys uh, before it's over, God willing, that will help us in our prayer life. And David, in his own mind, has it all together. In his own mind. You could hear it in his voice. You could hear it in his words. If we look at verse 1. Hear, O Lord, my righteous plea. Listen to my cry. Give ear to my prayer. It does not rise from deceitful lips. My vindication comes from you. 
may your eyes see what is right. Basically, David is saying that he's speaking truth, that there's no deceit in him. He is righteous, and he will be vindicated by God in the end because God is going to see what is right. And David is right about a few things. God will see what is right. God always sees. God always knows. He can see what is right. And God does hear us. So there are some things that David's right about here, especially when we cry out to God. When you're in trouble, when you're hurting, cry out to God. Don't be ashamed to say, I'm hurting, I need help. Cry out to God. And David thinks he's perfect here and sinless in verse 3. Though you probe my heart and examine me at night, though you test me, you will find nothing. I have resolved that my mouth will not sin. So he's kind of challenging God here. Test me. Test me, God. Even surprise me at night. Like a surprise test in class. Surprise me in this. It's unexpected. You will find nothing. Verse 4. As for the deeds of men, take the focus of me. As for the deed of men, by the word of your lips, I have kept myself from the ways of violence. My steps have held to your path. My feet have not slipped. See a little pride being mustered up here in the perfection of David. We see a prideful heart. And what does the Bible say about pride? It comes before a fall. And as time goes on, we're going to see David's prideful heart turn into all types of sins and crimes that eventually lead to murder. So David thinks he's righteous and good, and the world at this point is against him. Sometimes we feel that way too. Oh, God, why is this happening to me? Oh, oh God, why did this happen to me? Because I'm your child. I'm a king. I have an inheritance in you, and I'm grafted into your vine. Why are things so wrong? Why are things getting so bad? Why do I have so many problems and heartaches and hardships? Woe is me. Listen, you got to get this this morning. Good things happen to good people. Good things happen to good people. And bad things happen to good people too. This is life. This is the world we live in. But listen to what David is against, what he's up against. He soon realizes he can't resolve these problems on his own. They're too big. Some problems, many problems in life that we face are just too big for us to handle it alone. And so church, don't go it alone. Go it with God. Don't go it alone. Go it with God. I call on you, O God, for you will answer me. Give ear to me and hear my prayers. Verse 8. Hide me in the shadows of your wings. From the wicked who assail me, from the mortal enemies who surround me, they close up their callous hearts and their mouth speaks with arrogance. They have tracked me down. And I would say they track me down like a dog tracks. They now surround me with eyes alert to throw me to the ground. They are like a lion hungry for a prey, like a great lion crouching in cover. Wow. You see what's happening here? 
Hide me from the wicked who assail me, who violently and vigorously are trying to attack me. Mortal enemies, they surround me. And this could be just mortal enemies who are trying to bring harm, or they might mean more than just harm. Mortal, to kill, fatal. This is serious accusations. And their mouth, their mouth speaks with arrogance. And they close up their hearts. Why? Because they are callous to my feelings. People don't care about me. They are callous to my feelings. They're tracking me down. They're surrounding me. They're pushing me to the floor. They are bullies. They're knocking me to the ground. They are bullies. They want to hurt me. Do you get the point that's happening here? David is in trouble. He's in serious trouble. He needs help from someone who can rescue him. And he doesn't just call on his pastor. He doesn't just call on his family or the police or his friends. No, this is bigger. He's in big trouble. He needs a big uh, problem solver. He's in trouble. He needs God to rescue him. Is a matter of life and death. And only God can help him with this problem. But see, these problems are ex- eternal external to him, external to him. Now, later on in Psalms 51, it says we, we see that David is going to search for uh, internal help. See, he confesses to being a sinner, where he says, have mercy on me, David. Uh, Psalms 51. Now, let me just read a couple of verses, a few verses here. Psalms 51, verses. I'll read 1 through 6. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my sins, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquities, cleanse me now from my sins. You see, he's looking at external things, and now he's looking at internal things that are going to matter. Wash away all my iniquities and cleanse me from my sins, for I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak and are justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth. Sinful sinful from the time my mother conceived. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the innermost place. So, in this Psalms, he's looking for salvation. But in Psalm 17, it's external to him. Uh, It's external. He needs help from his enemies that want to destroy him and devour him and take over his life. In Psalm 17, verse 12, they're like a lion hungry for a prey. Like a great lion crouching in cover. Lions often crouch and try to hide before the attack. The enemy is getting ready to pounce. The enemy is getting ready to destroy. The enemy is getting ready to devour David. And so he cries out to God. Verse 13, Rise up, O Lord. Confront them. 
Bring them down. Rescue me from the wicked by your sword. O Lord, by your hand, save me from such men, from men of this world whose reward is in this life. You still, you still hunger for those you cherish. Their sons have plenty and they store up wealth for their children. And I, in righteousness, I will see your face when I awake. I will be satisfied with seeing your likeness. Some people only want protection. Some people only want safety, but not salvation and not security in the Lord. That only comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. There's security in knowing that God hears. There's security in knowing that he heals and helps and that he listens and he cares. But it's even more important to understand this and get this, that he is capable of helping. He's capable of healing. He is capable of rescuing. And I even like this portion of Scripture that says, when I awake. You see, David is really kind of out of control right now. It's, a, it's beyond him. And he's going to sleep. When he awakes, I will be satisfied. I think he's happy to awake. I think he's happy to awake. See, he's in a crisis. And he's tired and he's weary. And he just needs some rest. Ever feel that way when you're in a crisis? Just take a nap. You wake up, you think it's over, but it's not. You see, we don't just serve a God who hears and cares. I want you to get this. But we serve a God that can back up what he says. His words are true. His promises are true. And we can rest in him and have confidence in in him and trust what he says he will do, he will do. So let's look at four things that we need to know about prayer that might help us in our life. Four, four simple points. Number one, when you pray, focus on God. Simple. It's a simple message today. When you pray, focus on God. Verse 8, keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadows of your wings. If you look closely at someone's eyes, you can see the reflection of yourself sometimes in their eyes. Now this means absolutely that you must be in close proximity of that person. When you're the apple of someone's eye, like my wife, like my children, then you value them, right? You are dear to them. So I would say to you, when you pray, focus on God. Stay close to the Lord. Stay within His gaze. Stay within His field of vision. Stay near Him. Don't run from Him. Don't hide from Him. So many people just say, I'm staying out of the church. I'm too busy. I mean, this church should be filled. we got great people here. This is a great place to be. I'm a Brooklyn boy, and I'm here. So if I could be here, you should be here too. Amen. They run because they believe church is not important. They believe God is not important. They believe he's not relevant for today. In some churches, yes, that's true. Not here at Crossroads Church. God is relevant. God is here. The Holy Spirit is welcomed in this church and in this place. And we are his bride, and he desires us to meet together in unity, in one mind, 
to proclaim the words of God. So we are relevant here. And that means you are relevant. And that means you are important. Because God desires you to be part of His church. Now, if you want to attend somewhere else, I'm not going to stop you. I'm not going to beg you to stay here. All right? I'm not going to. But we love you, and we care for you, and we want you to stay here. But God, understand this, wants you to plug in to His people. He wants you to plug in to His church. He doesn't want you to forsake the assembly. So when it gets a little bit warmer, this is only spring, and we, you know, this is only spring now. It's, the beach is not open yet. All right? So I understand you want to go visit the beach now and then. Go ahead. I'll give you a pass. Come to my office. I'll give you a pass. But let me tell you, don't forsake this assembly of, of the people to get together. To get together. God wants us to be together. He wants us to be part of a body. Don't go it alone. So much of our youth are going it alone. Stop it. Adults, going it alone. Stop it. Do ministry together. Someone said, how's things going in that church? How are you doing? I'm like, I'm doing life. And I'm doing it with people. I haven't been so pumped up in such a long time. This is great. Amen. It's doing life together with the people of God. We are to focus on Him and His ways and His will. Hide me in the shadows of your wings. This is a metaphor. Um, I had to look up that word. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm not kidding. I did look up that word. It's a metaphor for a hen protecting her young with her wings. She has to be in close proximity to be in that shadow. This expresses tender protection. It means God can protect you in times of danger. You ought to pray for protection, protection of your family, protection of your loved ones, protection of your children, protection of this church. I was driving here this morning, and the wind was blowing, and it was blowing so hard and fierce, I was like, Lord, protect my house, protect my car. But then I went further, protect my church. Protect the church family and friends and bring them safely out. Don't let the weather uh, keep them away. Lord, protect them, even our property. It's okay to pray this. But we see the shadows of your wings. So when you pray, focus on Jesus and focus on his will. When you pray, for those who are filling in the blanks, know that God loves you. Verse 7, show the wonder of your great love. You who save by your right hand those who take refuge in you from their foes. God loves you. Amen. Know that in your core. You see, when things get tough, when things go bad to worse, know that God loves you. And who do you turn to? Do you turn to the people who love you? Yes. But some things are just greater than your friends and your family. And you need to know in your core that they love you. But more importantly than their love and the love of your friends, it's deeper. 
Because only God can fulfill and truly satisfy. So there's something deeper going on here. You need to know in your core, in your essence, in your being, God loves you. You need to understand that this morning. I don't want to rush this part. God loves you. God loves you. He loves you. You are, you, you, he wants, he desires you. He wants you to be part of his family. He reaches out to help you, to lift you up. He loves you. Take refuge in that great love. Amen. Got to get that in your core. We're so beat up and, and bruised and, and so hurt as Christians. We don't get this simple truth. Focus on God. Focus on his love. He can solve all our problems. When you pray, know that God is capable of helping you. He wants to heal you. He wants to help you. He wants to rescue you. He wants to save you. Verse 13 and 14. Rise up, O Lord. Confront them. Bring them down. Bring my enemies down. Rescue me from the wicked by your sword. O Lord, by your hand, save me from such men. In Revelation 19, verse 15, out of his mouth comes a sharp sword which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. His treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, for those who are taking notes, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. All God has to do is speak and a legion of angels go forth to surround you, protect you, and rescue you. He has a sharp sword in which he can wipe out the enemy by just speaking the word. He just has to say it, and it is finished. just has to say it, and it is done. So when you pray by faith, know he is capable of rescuing you, can help you, and can heal you, and yet we doubt so much. And when we doubt, we deny God's power. He loves you. He wants to help you and rescue you. But it's more than the want. I want you to get this. It's more than the want. He is capable of the follow-up. He is capable of the follow-through. He is capable and more than able to save and rescue you from any situation. You see, the world serves a God with a little g that's not capable of doing anything. And the little g God, they serve and they worship and they cut themselves and they build their idols and, 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 they, and they build their altars. And yet their little g God is powerless. And yet they do all this stuff 
You see it in the restaurants. You see it in life. You see that we, we worship things that we ought not to worship. Money and success and people and power. But this church believes and serves a God with a big G who is alive, can help you, wants to help you, and is capable of helping you because he's alive and willing and he's more than able to do it, more than able to do above and beyond and that we can even think or imagine. That's an amazing God. What a great God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. One that can do all things. Praise God. You need to hold on to this this morning. And finally, when you pray, call upon God for help. Verse 1 and 6. Hear, O Lord, my righteous plea. Listen to my cry. Give ear to my prayer. I call upon you, O God, for you will answer me. Give ear to me and hear my prayer. You see, God will hear your cry for help. He will hear your prayer. Prayer is communicating with God. We've got we to gotta communicate with God. He is listening and, and waiting for us to call upon him. He is listening and waiting. and call. In fact, he's knocking and seeking us. The problem is we don't trust him. The problem is we don't reach out to him. We don't call upon him. His name. We don't trust the work that was done on the cross. We don't cry out to Him. And we are constantly trying to do things our own way. And last week we celebrated the resurrection of Christ. The cross is empty. The tomb is empty. The stone is rolled away. Hallelujah. It's rolled away, what we learned, so that we can peek in and we can take a look inside. Jesus Christ died so that we can live Put your trust and faith in him and him alone and your life will never be the same. The way to the Father is through the Son. There's no other way. Not that I know of. And people want to debate that truth. And I understand that it's not a popular view and you're intolerant and you're those Christians. I get that. But that doesn't make it less true. That, that, is, that is making you run from your authority. That is making you run from your spiritual position in Christ. Jesus loves you and he wants to rescue you and forgive you. And, and he's not going to force you, though. This is what you got to get. He's not going to force you to follow him. He's not going to force you to reach out in prayer. When you're hurting, call out upon the Lord. Reach out to him. Look, there's a lot of hurting people. Don't be ashamed of it. We don't all have life right. We're all a struggle. We're all on a journey. We're all trying to get there. But know that you are with God, and it's a big God, and He's capable, and He wants to help you. You can't do this on your own. Forget about it. Life is filled with problems and issues that can only be solved through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. David, with all his power and his kingship and prestige, realized that there's some Things you can't do on your own. There's some things you cannot solve by yourself. They can only be solved through Jesus Christ, through the King of Kings, through God Almighty. Our sin issue and asking for forgiveness of those sins and having a right relationship with Jesus Christ is the most important thing that you'll ever face in your life. Get that right. Get that part right. 
Because things are going to fail you. Life is going to fail you. Friends are going to fail you. Get that right. Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me of my sins. Lord, I'm a sinner. And I need you because my problems are just too big. And I can't solve the sin issue on my own. I can't solve life on my own. I think I can, Lord, but I can't. So I go on my life and I do it my way. And I fail miserably. Woe is me. Why, Lord, am I in the circumstances? Why is there people hurting? Why is there sin? Why is there Satan? Why is there an enemy out there? But there is. Get over it. Just get over it and understand that it is. Now what? Complain. Grumble. Pray that the ground doesn't open up and swallow you in. Because here's the thing. God loves you. He has the power to heal and to help and to resurrect you. We keep looking in the wrong places and to all the wrong people. It's God who gives life. It's God who restores. It's God who heals. It's God who helps. It's God who takes over the bad and makes it good. It's God who takes the situations in our life and the bruises and the hurt and the scars and the nastiness of life and makes it good.